Welcome to Better in Real Life, a podcast from the Trestle Collective. I'm your host, Jonathan McGinty, and in this series, I like to have conversations with good folks doing some interesting, pretty cool things. This week, I spend some time with Audrey Martin, a senior digital producer with Turner Sports and Bleacher Report. She's worked with Inside the NBA for some time now, and she'll occasionally team up with fellow University of Georgia graduate Ernie Johnson to give Charles Barkley a hard time. I have a great picture that I'll save forever with Charles in a Georgia jersey um, after we won the Rose Bowl, which was the greatest Georgia game of all time, in my personal opinion. Um, Same. Ernie, Ernie had made a bet with Chuck. If we come back after and, and we beat Baker Mayfield, you have to wear a Georgia jersey on the air. So Chuck wore it and he had to like sing the Georgia fight song and um, like Ernie, I mean, uh, Kenny and Shaq are behind him, like the pips, like his like background singers. Um, So that night I made sure I was in studio and at the commercial break, I said, Charles, I've got to have a photo because no one's going to believe that this happened if they didn't watch the episode. Um, So yeah, Ernie is, is a, uh, he's the ultimate dog. So he, he's the one who leads the charge when it comes to giving Charles a hard time. But now I have photo evidence that he had to cheer for Georgia at least once. Audrey was an intern at a previous agency job I used to have. And like most of the talented interns I've been blessed to work with, she's gone on to enjoy an entrepreneurial and successful career. She's managed media relations, run social media, and served as a producer for some of the biggest sporting events in the world. But her journey began with a cross-country move from one college town to another. I grew up really close to campus my whole life and saw the pull of Texas and loved the big rah-rah state school football feel of college. And I went to a big Texas high school football high school also. So um, I wanted something with that feel, but I felt like I needed an adventure and I needed to uh, leave Austin. Cause I knew if I didn't for college, I would never leave. Cause I, um, have the reputation among my friends and coworkers of being the obnoxious Austinite who always brags about how Austin it's better in Austin, you know, like <laughs> someone will bring up something like, Oh, well in Austin, they, you know, and I don't even mean to do it. It just oozes out of me. I love, I love that city so much. Um, So I've toured a bunch of big state schools with good journalism programs, which is what I thought I wanted to do. And um, Oklahoma, um, Auburn, Georgia. And my mom always tells the story that when we opened up the door in downtown Athens and I got out of the car, she looked at my dad and said, she's going here. (laughs) Um, Because of all the kind of Austin type of things that Athens offers with live music and just that eclectic community and um it really has a personality and a like spirit of its own and that's how I've always felt about Austin so I I, the big state football school journalism was the draw but Athens Mm -hmm. was the the seller yeah I was gonna ask I know that I mean Austin obviously is much bigger than Athens is but yes there I mean from yeah like you said live music and this the university and the pole of the football program I mean there probably had to be a lot of parallels and like if you're going to look at and no knock against Norman or Auburn but those towns don't have that that same appeal I would imagine right and yeah Austin's the live music capital of the world and so just seeing the Georgia theater which 
ironically, I didn't have for two years of my university experience with the fire. Um, But, you know, 40 watt and just all of the, the electricity around the live music in downtown Athens reminded me a lot of home. I don't know if I remember this of you. Did you go to a lot of shows during your time as a student? Yeah, I tried to. Um, and just another thing I love to do is restaurants and festivals. And, and that's another thing that Austin offers that, that is so fun about Athens too. So, uh, I tried to get out of the university bubble whenever I could. Yeah. Now, did you know that you wanted to go into communications, journalism, PR? I mean, you, you know, you've, you've kind of stayed in sort of the sports and entertainment world in your career arc, but was that you know, is that what you wanted to do when you came off here? I always loved to write and I loved creativity and my, my brain leaned that direction much more than other occupations. Um, so yeah. Um, my cousin was, and still is in restaurant PR in Washington, DC. And I always looked up to her. And so when picking a major, I kind of went with PR because I didn't, quite understand what I wanted to do in journalism, but I I had a family member who loved the public relations world and kind of quickly decided that I was going to try to make it in sports just because sports has also been a lifelong passion of mine. And um, I knew that if work could be fun every day and I could be working on something that I already loved, why not? Mm -hmm. Um, And found out quickly that working in sports is, is a tough gig. So, um, but that's kind of ended up being the, the North star. And I had a lot of different jobs in different areas of the creative side of sports. I went from uh, PR to kind of event marketing, to social media, to production. Um, so I found my way to being a producer now at, at Turner sports and bleacher report. Mm-hmm. Um, which I feel like could be my forever gig. I love being a producer and I kind of had to check things off along the way, but the sports was always kind of the center of that. That's where I wanted to stay. Yeah. You know, and I remember cause we, you first, uh, you know, in full disclosure for maybe the, the four people listening to this, you, uh, no, you way were, more than that. <laughs> <laughs> you were, um, an, an intern for us. And I think you, we tried to give you some good experiences. You know, I know we worked in the golf tournament together, the stadium classic. Um, yes. So, but you know, you had that initial, you did the internship with us. I believe you worked at melt for a while and now you're yep. over at Turner. I'm always interested because I know I have my, my opinions. What's that, what's the biggest difference or what did you notice? The biggest difference was from an agency world to going and working in house somewhere. I, I think it's almost like having one client instead of Mm -hmm. multiple, you know, um, when I went from, uh, Jackson Spalding and melt to Turner, it was like, my client was inside the NBA and everything that I was doing was in service of that show. And how can we get, you know, when I was on the PR team, more people to tune in and, and more people to know our talent, um, via radio shows and, uh, feature pieces and magazines and, and papers, et cetera. Um, so I just kind of, between the two, it's more like just having less clients, but you're still working in service of this one, uh, this one show. Um, 
and I've had the opportunity at Turner to work on March Madness and MLB um, and NBA, but it kind of always comes back to inside the NBA with that being our star, star show. Yeah. And, and I definitely want to talk about that in, in a minute. Um, I have told this to people um, about you. Um, I have said that I feel, and this is not knocking the agency experience at all, but I said, I feel like if you, if I look back at what, where you are now, what you've been able to accomplish, what you've been able to do and how you've been able to grow, I don't know if you would have gotten that same opportunity in the agency world. And that's, and I don't know why that is, um, but I feel like Turner definitely has given you this platform and these opportunities to be able to try new things. Like I'm, I could be, I don't want to be speak out of turn, but I imagine when you started in working in PR, you becoming a producer down the line, that might've not been what where you thought, where you thought your career journey was going. Definitely. And the executive producer of inside the NBA is this genius named Tim Kiley. And we call him like the mad scientist. Cause he's just such a creative uh, human being and he's behind it all. Um, and he always says ideas come from anywhere. And that attitude really seeps into all of Turner sports um, where they really believe like, let's ideate together. Let's build something together. It, it doesn't matter if you are the junior publicist or the coordinating producer. If you come to the production meeting and you raise your hand with a great idea, TK always said, I'm going to use it. And then his joke is, but I'll give you credit. Um, so uh, I think I just kind of embraced that atmosphere that he had helped create at Turner and, and Craig Berry, the chief content officer. And um, so many people have uh, kept that, that spirit alive. But um, yeah, it, it definitely was a... Um, I had to learn to speak up. And, you know, when I was in the... PR department and realized I feel a lot more spark of passion when I work on a social media project. I uh, went to dinner with the head of social media, Morgan Dewan, who now works for the um, San Antonio Spurs and just said, Hey, I've been working on Turner sports PRs, social media and, and hear all the things I've been doing for them. And I really uh, enjoy that. If you have an opening, please keep me in mind. So it was kind of both an exercise in learning to put myself out there and, and speak up um, as well as just kind of, like you said, Turner sports definitely gives people those opportunities. If you step up to the plate and, and try to grab them. Yeah. And, and I've always been super impressed with the, the culture that's over there, just the, the workplace culture, the environment, you know, I know we both used to work with uh, Kyle Stapleton and now he's yes. over at Turner. And I think he is like the head of culture. Like I might, I might be butchering yes. that title, but you he's know, the there is a, there just seems to be not just a focus on growth and opportunity, but just sort of a, there seems to be a very family oriented approach that we're all in this together. We're all working to, to succeed. And, and, and my perception is very small from following you on social and keeping up with your career and, and Kyle and then just seeing the personalities on air, it just seems like there's this, there's this really good camaraderie there across the whole Turner network or the whole Turner, the I'm called an empire, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> no, there, there definitely is. And like you said, it, it comes from the talent too. They are, um, especially the four inside guys, they treat the crew like family um, and kind of what you see is what you get 
how Charles acts on air is how he is in the green room is how he is when my husband runs into him at Publix and he's like shouting at my husband, waving at him three <laughs> aisles away. Um, so that's definitely true. And then, and now um, Turner sports and bleacher report are coming together, which has expanded the family. Now there's uh, we're working with um, producers in New York and San Francisco and, um, now we have a lot more sports to serve, uh, service and portfolio brands like BR betting and BR kicks for the sneaker culture. And, um, so I guess one way to put it was it, Turner was this small family for me. And now I'm kind of, uh, bringing all these new family members into my day to day. So that's kind of been what's been happening for me over the last eight months is, um, the expansion to the bleacher report family too. Yeah. And that's, you know, and that's gotta be, I mean, it's, 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 it's probably ultimately a seamless fit, but there's still some of those challenges of like, okay, what's your culture like? What do y'all value and how do we make sure it meshes with, with what we do and all of that? Definitely. And just like tonality, like when you're producing something, bleacher skews a little younger and they, they, um, um, you know, just trying to figure out when you're creating for the different brands, but it's, it's been fun. Well, obviously I have to ask you about you know, working on inside the NBA, it is sort of the flagship. Um, I, I tell people all the time, it is my favorite, not even just sports programming, one of my favorite things just to watch because I feel like only half of it is sports. It turns right. into them just having a conversation and, and, you know, poking at each other, but in a good, good natured way. And they're all sort of kind of corralled by Ernie. And it's just this really fun experience when did you first start working on, on that program? Was it when you got there at, at Turner? Yeah. When I started in the PR department, I was helping book radio interviews for the talent. So I'd get Charles on Mike and Mike, or, um, you know, I'd write press releases when the game schedule came out. And, um, so I was working around the universe of inside. Uh, it was more when I got on the social media team that we started to kind of be integrated into the production meetings and, um, Jeremy Levin and Tim Kiley, both of the producers of the show, love incorporating social media into the program because they um, they love that direct conversation that it allows fans to have with the guys, especially someone like Charles, who doesn't have a Twitter or Instagram or anything, uh, <laughs> infamously hates it. Um it's kind of a fan's only opportunity to speak directly to Charles. And so our team helped source tweets that they would show. And then we'd also, um, the way we put it is we would bring the best of social media to inside the NBA. So not only um, tweets, but viral moments that had been trending, like let's get Charles to react to it on the show because he's not going to see this any any other way. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And So that's when I really kind of started to be more integrated into the production. Um, And then from there, the social team was producing segments and we were given the reins on Shaq and a Fool, which is the popular segment, blooper segment with Shaq. Excellent. Um, So our team was sourcing the plays, having a vote on Twitter for the um, ranking of the the week's plays, and then adding our spin to, uh, to Shaqton with all those added graphics kind of poking fun at, at the situations, the bloopers. Um, so the social team, the partnership with production 
uh, still is, but was so fun kind of when I was first starting in that world. Um, because like I said, Charles, uh, you could show him a viral video that everyone in the world has seen for 10 years. And he's like, that's hilarious. <laughs> I've never seen that before. So it, it kind of uh, opened us up to be able to have some fun with him on the show. <laughs> How, you know, my, my experience in working with like live programming is a, a handful of things that, that I've been able to be involved with. And typically it's a live sporting event. So there's really less control over it. This is a studio show that is either before, during, and after a game. I have always found my limited times working with them. And, and, and again, I'm working in a PR perspective. I'm working in a social media perspective. They're stressful. Like granted you've done this night in and night out for X number of years now, but like when it, when this show goes live, is there a bit of anxiety and a bit of stress? Like, I mean, it has to be like, and, and it may not even be from like a fear of failure. I don't mean it in that perspective, just when it happens, it happens. You got to make sure you're, everything's working. Is, is there that level of like, like, and maybe it's adrenaline. I, I don't know. Do you, do you still have that now? Oh yeah. It's definitely anything can happen, but I think going back to the foundation that Tim Kiley established for the show, he always talks about how I'm not concerned with time. You know, if, if this segment goes long because Charles and Shaq are having this incredible debate and or fist fight, um, <laughs> then we'll make up time later. Like he, he really lets the moment and the creativity of what's happening on, happening on the screen lead. Um, and a, another big thing that we always talk about is it's unscripted and unrehearsed. And the only person who comes to production meetings is Ernie Johnson. Right. Um, the other guys don't come to meetings. And so it kind of frees you up to be like, oh, now he's got to say his line. He's got to say his line. You know, it's, there's none of that. It's just really these guys having a conversation and we've all done the prep work in the production meeting and, and, and everything to steer it. But mm -hmm. a lot of times you can't steer it. It's just gonna, it's, it's gonna, the ship is going to sink somehow, but, um, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say Shaq's, Shaq's going to say something. Chuck's going to disagree with them. Or again, one of my favorite ones, and it's, it's a very popular meme or, or, or gif now is the one where Shaq's eating the chips and he's saying it's not hot. Then he starts coughing. So that's, that's exactly. one of my, I've, I've used well, that, that a couple of times. That's an example of, um, something that our social team brought to the show. So we saw that that ghost pepper chip was trending. Um, we actually had a Facebook live show that they would do at halftime. that was called outside the NBA. Mm -hmm. And it was, um, we would have them talk about something that was completely not basketball related. We'd um, stream that on Facebook. And if something great came of it, they'd also use it in the post game show. Mm -hmm. And um, so that's an example of, of our team helping add some value. We, we brought the chip to Shaq and then it ended up being great content. So we were proud of that. You know, in hindsight, I should have sent you a bag of ghost chips. We could have we could have recreated that here. Yeah, uh, no, <laughs> thank you. Inside the NBA is the flagship program of Turner Sports, having earned 15 Emmys in its illustrious run. As it approached its 30th anniversary, Audrey had a bold idea for how to honor the work done by Ernie Johnson and NBA legends Kenny Smith, Charles Barkley, and Shaquille O'Neal. It just required a bit of courage and a lot of passion. And Audrey had plenty of both. One of my 
more recent responsibilities in, in, in the scope of my eight years at Turner or nine, oh gosh, um, <laughs> <laughs> was I've been um, given the reins to the Turner Sports Podcasts. So um, I helped produce the Steam Room with mm. uh, Charles and Ernie and the big podcast with Shaq um, and more to come. And um, so my brain was really thinking podcasts as we, as we were spinning these shows up. And this was back in, I guess, 2018. I thought, why don't we do an oral history of inside the NBA? Mm -hmm. Because I knew that 2019 um, was going to be the 30th or the 2019, 2020 season was going to be the 30th anniversary of inside the NBA Mm -hmm. because it started in 1989. Um, so I kind of went to my boss, Tyler Price, who's um, the director of, of social at Turner Sports. And I asked him, should we put together and I, you know, should we put together this oral history of inside the NBA? We can interview mm-hmm. all of the talents and people from behind the scenes and just tell the story in podcast form. Mm-hmm. And he liked the idea. So he encouraged me, which is, again, another great thing about Turner. I've got this amazing boss who encouraged me to go for it to put together a formal pitch and take it to Craig Berry, um, who's, as I mentioned earlier, the chief content officer. Um, So I put together a pitch um, and I also had a proof of concept. So Ernie Johnson is an angel walking among us. Um, I I went up to him and kind of told him my idea and asked if he would be willing to sit down with Tim Kiley, the producer, to talk for a little bit. We could record some audio and then that way I could show Craig Berry, kind of what I had in mind. Mm -hmm. So they sat in a room and I had an outline prepared and they talked for an hour and a half about the history of the show. And it was just so compelling. It was things I'd never heard before. Right. Um, Stories about the reason that Charles picked Turner, you know, things that just came so naturally to them, but me as a younger and relatively new NBA fan, I had never heard. And I didn't know if if longtime NBA fans knew these stories either. Um, so I took my recording of Ernie and TK mm-hmm. and my deck into Craig Berry's office, the most nervous I've ever been in my life. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I'm this like, I get, I think at the time I was like an assistant manager of social media walking in and saying, I've got this idea. And he said, I love this idea so much that I want it to be a documentary. Um, and I, I'm going to let you do that. I'm not, you know, and I want you to, to see this idea through. So in the moment you panic and <laughs> I, I just said like, okay, great. I can do that. I know how to make a documentary. No problem. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so I walked out of the room and, and had to figure out how to make it happen. So that was January of 2019. Um, we, started interviewing Ernie, uh, Kenny, Charles, and Shaq in April of 2019. Um, then we sat them down for a roundtable discussion, which is a big part of the documentary at the Eastern Conference Finals between Milwaukee and Toronto. We got a hotel ballroom in Milwaukee and did this roundtable shoot in May of 2019. And then over the remainder of the year, we interviewed over 100 people. So wow. um everyone from employees um, and the makeup artist on the show, the, the head of sales, the 
uh, camera guy, the, you know, just, we wanted everyone who touched the show to be a part of it. Um, as well as celebrities like Snoop Dogg and Quavo Mm -hmm. and, uh, Common and who are fans of the show. Mm -hmm. And then we thought an important, also current and former players, which was amazing. We got to interview Dennis Rodman, which I can confidently say is the most nervous I was during an interview. (laughs) Uh, um, And then we thought it was important to have a competitive view of the show. We didn't want it to just be kind of an internal puff piece. So we interviewed Dan Patrick, Bob Costas, Mike Wilbon, people at competing networks who could speak to inside the NBA and its impact on sports media from an outside perspective. Um, So I conducted all of those interviews. I did the research and um, wrote the questions. And then I worked with two editors who were amazing, Peter Dennis and Leroy Williams, um, to start cutting the show together. And so as these interviews would come back, we would, we would, put them down on the timeline and, um, try to figure out what we had there. Um, and then the the other biggest chunk or problem to solve for is we have 30 years worth of footage. Right. Right. So, um, I had some PAs. I was gonna say that's a, that's a job in and of itself right there. Oh yeah. I had some PAs who, um, helped me watch, 30 years worth of inside the NBA shows and clip selects and log them. So we could go back and like time code keyword search. If we need Shaq dancing, we could go search for Shaq dancing and and Mm -hmm. find it. Um, Yeah. And then they ended up bringing in uh, this guy named Pete Radovich, who's a a very highly regarded producer at, at CBS sports um, to help be the, um, he was the director and I was the producer. And so he, had this wealth of experience and and knowledge and another outsider's perspective, which was really helpful to be like that to me actually isn't funny. I think it's more funny to you because it's an inside joke, you know, kind of that gut check. Um, I learned a ton from him. He, um, you know, so it was just a great opportunity to work with so many people internally, someone like Pete Radovich externally and um, just put this thing together. So it, it all started as a podcast. And when we were done with it, it was a almost five hour docuseries. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I mean, the, the acclaim it got, I mean, you had all these positive reviews, all these, these great things said, but not just from the external folks. One of the things that I remember seeing on social and, and seeing on the show, watching it, was the talent seeing Ernie and Shaq and Chuck not just talk about it and promote it like they they ought to be doing but praising you and praising the other staffers for doing it which again kind of circles all the way back to the to the culture there that had to be incredibly gratifying to hear all of these folks there you know say this is awesome and you played this this was your baby you you made this happen oh yeah yeah I'll never forget. And, and COVID was a whole nother thing. It ended up delaying. Um, right. It, it was supposed to air during Western conference finals in 2020. It ended up not until all star of 2021. Um, we had to take the edit remote. So that's a whole nother side of kind of the uphill battle. But um, before 
everything hit, the world had shut down. The last big Turner event I went to was um, uh, All-Star in Chicago in February. And we had put out a trailer for the show for the first time and kind of announced that we were doing it. And um, they they unveiled that during the pregame of the All-Star game. And I'll never forget walking into the hotel after that night and Ernie was in the lobby and he came up to me and like grabbed me by the shoulders and was like, thank you so much for doing this. <laughs> um, and I just like, it like had a lump in my throat immediately I as mean, he was I've, saying I've, that to me. I've got chills yeah. right now. <laughs> yeah, because I think as long as Ernie and Charles and Kenny and Shaq thought it was great, then that's fine by me. You know, I just wanted to tell their story, especially Ernie, who's been there since 1989. Wow. And like, he is the goat and he not only on screen, but off screen is just the, the kindest, most genuine person. So I just really wanted to tell his story and celebrate. Um, kind of we, our motto was let's give them their flowers while they're still here. Right. Um, before Charles retires to go play golf every day and, you know, er Ernie rides off into the sunset, like let's celebrate the show while it's still on. So right. it was an honor to, to get to do that. Did this, um, I'm assuming the answer is yes, but it, did this like spark a, a passion in you to say, okay, this was cool. I want to produce more. I want to think of great ideas for whether they're docu-series or podcast or, you know, what, whatever they're going to be, did this, do you feel like that experience said, well, this is, this is where I'm going to go now professionally? Definitely. And, um, I'm excited for some opportunities that Bleacher Report, I think is going to give me, um, to do that. Like I said, they cover every sport. And so it's kind of, there's an open season, um, when it comes to topics and ideas, it's funny because now I'll be working I'll get assigned a 15 minute feature and someone's like, I'm so sorry. You've got a long one. I'm like, this is five seconds long in my world. <laughs> uh, you know, from going to working on something so long form and so vast now, I I'm not quite sure um, what's next when it comes to, if I'll try to focus more on long form or more back on social features, but um, it definitely gave me more of a passion for production and storytelling and, um, and for the show in general, just getting to continue to work on inside the NBA after telling its story. Yeah. Uh, I just appreciate every little detail. You're a mom now and you uh, are working. So you are juggling those two responsibilities. How now, I guess it's, it's a bit unusual given COVID because there's a lot of work at, at home options, I would imagine, but how has, how has that transition been personally and, and professionally? I mean, ha have you been, what are the, what are the dynamics? What are the challenges there? Um, I mean, I know yeah. my, my wife really wrestled with it when she went back to, to work and ultimately led to a career change for her to give her more flexibility. How have you been able to balance those two things? Well, my daughter, Birdie was a producer on inside the NBA, um, or the inside story because, <laughs> um, I interviewed Charles when I was nine months pregnant, we needed to do a pickup interview with Chuck and, yeah everyone begged me not to be the one to do it. And I just said, no, I know exactly what I need. I know the questions I've got to ask him. I'm not going to let anyone else do this. It was kind of like, you know, I could see the finish line. Um, so I went in to interview Chuck with a huge belly and a, a plan to how to get to the hospital if needed. 
Um, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, she, she was with me every step of the way. Um, but no, of course it's a challenge. And I think it's a challenge working in sports in general, because you're working when other people aren't nights and weekends, you know, that's mm-hmm. when the games are on and the shows are on. And, um, it's very 24 seven, especially the nature of social media and content. So I am still figuring it out. And, um, she, we're lucky to have a daycare that we love. And um, my husband's an entrepreneur, so he's a little bit more flexible. Um, so yeah, we're, we're a year into figuring it out and I'm sure there'll be a lot of adjustments along the way, but my hope is to, um, be a role model for her and show her that she can do it and no one can do it all. Women cannot do it all. And I hate that we're sometimes expected to, but I would love to show her that she can follow her passion and, and do something cool. Absolutely. which is what I've tried to do. I'm still trying to do. Better in Real Life is a production of Trestle Collective. It's hosted by me, Jonathan McGinty, with original music and editing by Joe Van Hoos. For more, visit TrestleCollective.com and be sure to let us know what you think of the show.